You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a podcast where we discuss the ideas of philosophy, ethics, religion, history, and culture. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. So in the last podcast, we were looking at a book by Julian Bugini called Virtues of the Table. And we're sort of looking at some of the things that he said also kind of introducing some of our own ideas as well. If you haven't seen it, you can go and listen to it. You don't have to have done that, but you can if you want. Up to you. I, I don't know. I don't know. I would say that it's a really good primer for the information that we're going to be talking about today. And I think there's a lot of good ground that was covered in that as well. I would agree with you then. Oh yeah, dude. So we were looking specifically in that podcast about sourcing food. So where food comes from and kind of how to think about that uh, morally, intellectually. So some of the examples we raised, like whether we should buy local, growing and buying your own stuff and kind of how to do that, getting the best nutrition and being ethical. I think one of the most important things we were talking about was how the ethical side of everything and the taste side of everything is all connected. Uh, so those questions are interpersonal. They're about how we classically, about how we treat other people. But in this one, we're going to be talking more about self-care. But again, these things are kind of all connected. So I'd say a part of self-care is being not dogmatic, not ignorant, caring for a sense of character and developing intellectual and moral virtues, which also obviously extends back into interpersonal ethics. So I think it's all one project and that was kind of our main point. And also, you want to be avoiding strict rules. Like we talked about vegan and buying local and how you can sometimes look in between the lines of those things and you accept that there are some nuances and inconsistencies and the real world is a little bit more complex than arbitrary blanket rules can account for. Uh, so basically avoiding diehard rules and thinking more holistically about ideas like character and virtues. So that's kind of that stuff we're going to talk about today. So this one in particular is talking about dieting and fasting. So the idea of when not to eat and why that might be a good thing for ethics, why it might be a good thing for everything else about developing yourself as a person. Um, so again, we're going to go through Julian Bigini's book. There's four broad things he looks at. We might look at some more. Uh, it's kind of how these four virtues and broad attitudes can equip us for dealing with not eating. And Julian Bikini, that guy that did that, hey, I'll put some new shoes on a Sunday song. <laughs> no, <I can't> <laughs> uh, some fucking lead in my <laughs> fucking oh god. my god I'm sorry that's a good one <laughs> uh, so the first one he talks about is willpower in relation to losing weight which I think is a big one I, I talked about this in the last podcast, but for those who haven't heard it, I um, I work in occupational health and I, I do risk assessments with people who are either absent from work or potentially unfit to do their job role. And a big part of that is identifying people that need certain types of support. And sometimes we speak with, well, I say sometimes, a lot of the time we speak with people, particularly engineers who are really badly obese, really badly overweight, have very poor nutritional habits lead a very poor lifestyle from a nutrition point of view 
and I have to be able to, to go through with that then basically do like lots of fact finding and stuff. And then obviously I can make a referral uh, for them to a nutritionist. I am allowed to give like basic level um, nutrition advice. I have had training on that, um, but obviously that has a, a limit um, within my job role. But outside of that, because I'm around nutritionists so much and because like I'm presented with that. I think before I went into this job, I knew that there were a lot of fat fuckers out there. But doing this job made me realize just how big a problem it is because I'm literally faced with it every day. Like Every time I assess someone, I have their BMI up in front of me and the amount of people who are technically obese is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so anyone who claims that obesity is not uh, an epidemic is, well, at least in, in the Western civilization anyway, like kind of like the UK and like American places. Yeah, they, they, they don't know what they're talking about. It's really bad. I guess nutrition is a massive part of how you guys have to think but more so than me because you all do some form of sport or <laughs> regular exercise and i don't because i'm fucking lazy um or uh, martial arts as well like you guys must have to think about it a lot has weight ever been a problem or have you always just maintained on top of it it's like have you ever had to exercise willpower to it to a like an extraneous degree i'd say conversely my weight's been a bit too low before and i'll be the first to admit that i mean mm. I've got a body fat percentage that does fluctuate between four to five. And I know that's taking consistent measurements over a few months at the beginning of the day, whatever, same sort of water weight. So I could probably do with extra sort of like kilo or two of fat over winter for training and then maybe a bit more muscle mass. But yeah, that's, that's probably the, the lower echelon for me. Crazy man. Yeah. No, I, I had the same problem as grilling, to be honest. Like I used to be ridiculously underweight. I mean, if you boys remember what I was like when I was younger, um, I mean, you kind of saw a bit of it, but Sam grew up with me at secondary school and like, I was ridiculously skinny. Um, so it was, it was big, big deal for me, like from a self-esteem point of view and also like for what I wanted to do, like when I got into sports, cause I didn't get into sports till much later. I didn't start boxing until I was at like, 19. So uh, I had to put on a lot of weight obviously then I got older and uh, things started to change a little bit and I was able to hold weight a lot easier. So recently I've actually had to lose weight. Not that I got fat, but like I was like just over 80 kilograms and I wanted to get back down to the weight I compete at. So um, that's a big part of boxing. It's like being able to lose weight or gain weight when you need to. So yeah, it's been a big part of what I do, particularly in later life. What about you, Sam? Yeah, it's all fucking good, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you always been on top of it. No, I was like pretty fat kind of uni, just ate too much food. <laughs> and then I think, I think I've talked about this before. I don't know if I covered it in the last one, but it's, it's mainly just about like energy release and like mental focus. But I think I went a bit too ham like about a year ago doing intermittent fasting and literally dropped like fucking stone. It's not cool. But uh, yeah, too much running, none of eating is not good. Yeah. I think it's probably better characterized as like self-control rather than willpower. I don't know. I've, it could go either way, really. I don't, there's not much difference between the two terms, but I feel like self-control sometimes gets at what you need to be doing more because willpower kind of suggests that it's the power that you can fucking call on like some sort of magic fucking spell. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I've had to keep weight off a little bit, especially as I start working in a bar. There's a lot of fucking stout everywhere, a lot of ale, and I quite like those things, so... Yeah, that can that can that can sometimes be an issue. You know, I am starting to develop love handles, which uh, is an issue. But you know, it's 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 just a case of um, kind of limiting exposure. And um, one of the best things he th I think he talks about is uh, bright lines. I don't know if you've ever come across the idea of bright lines. 
in terms of like keeping off of certain things. No, no, what's that? Um, I think well, it's a little bit like we were talking about before about having clear goals. I think we talked about this in the New Year's podcast. Yeah, we were talking about resolutions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea of not saying something woolly and vague like "don't drink too much" because it's always open to some discretion. Because too much, especially if you have more and more, it's like what what is too much? That's that's too ill defined in your head. Mm. If you say no alcohol today, that's so much better and you're on a much better path towards maintaining that level of willpower or self-control whichever one you want to call it but um if you really think the one drink won't kill you then you might not expect the bright line enough not to cross it but it, a bright line could also be too restrictive and it's like it could destroy your quality of life completely if you just say like never ever drink it's like that probably won't work too yeah. So you need to believe the, the bright line, but don't make it too restrictive. So it, you need to get it into a space where it works, is what he talks about. And you, to do that, you sort of have to realize that it is arbitrary, but come to terms with that arbitrariness. Because sometimes you just think, oh, it doesn't matter which cigarette it is. I'll just fucking... Because, you know, technically I can quit now. I can quit tomorrow. I can, I, you know, one more is not going to kill me. But it's like, if you have that attitude, it's fucking not going to work. So you have to kind of recognize that it is arbitrary. Yeah, this is where things need to be sort of quantified more consistently, i.e. a unit of alcohol, a litre of this, a, a gram of that, because a lot of people don't apply that often enough. They're not seeing the logic in, or the, you know, the factual science of what they're, what they're doing, what they're consuming. I mean, I know so many yeah. people that would, you know, virtue signal, oh, I'm so healthy because I'm having a salad. Yeah, they've literally just put <laughs> four leaves of spinach on top of like a donut or something. Which more than cancels that out. That's pretty healthy. It's it's the the idea of like saying, oh, it's not this cake or this beer. It it doesn't have to be that, but it sort of does for you to fucking get started on it. You have to just arbitrate. You just pick one. Just go this one. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You get into that sort of manana manana sort of like delaying it. Like that's why I tell people like I, I have to do a lot of goal setting with people and like if we agree we're going to do like not just nutrition, this is like, you know, for goal setting for like mental health or anything like that. I'll tell people like, okay, well we've agreed on this. I was like, don't wait till tomorrow to do it. Like, so, cause you won't do it. Like you need to, you need to start this now, like, because you need to understand that this is something that you are implementing. This is the new you starting right now. You need to put in effect. Mm -hmm. And if you wait, then yeah. But I think some people go too far the other way though. Cause like you said, people can be too restrictive and that's not helpful either. And I see that a lot. And I see people that like get to the point where they're like, the, the thought of having something that they deem to be unhealthy is just catastrophic for them in their head. Oh, really? And that's not good. Like, yeah, I know. Like, like people just like have an absolute meltdown because they had a McDonald's on the weekend. And what they don't realize is that like that's doing more harm than good because they're going to get stressed out. And like, I won't like bore you with the science, but like your body does a whole load of shit when you get stressed. So it's like, it's actually better to just like find something you can do where you eat the mcdonald's but not be yeah, stressed exactly. about it exactly yeah 100 percent. it's gonna derail your progress way less so like uh, yeah no I, if, if that's what he says in that book then i agree with that 100 percent. you need to have the balance like yeah you need to make sure that you pick that you're specific in your goal set and you need to have a why because if you don't know why you're, you're losing weight or gaining weight or whatever the fuck you're doing then you're not going to stick to it because you have to have something to get you through the hard times you have to have like that one thing that you can keep coming back to. Like, why have I started this in the first place? Oh yeah, that's why. Okay. That's all I need to know. But 
at the same time, if you're too like hot on it, if you're too restrictive, if you're too like psycho with yourself about it, it's not going to be enjoyable. It's just going to be stressful. You're more likely to like relapse and fuck up. I mean, there's the whole sort of, you know, there's, there's healthier fats than others and you need to have less refined sugar and all that. But ultimately, your body's still breaking down three or four different types of macromolecular forms and you, it's all kind of just like nitrogen, potassium and whatever rearranged in different forms anyway. It is sometimes a bit overanalyzed and that's why some people yeah. panic. Well, the one that people stress about is chemicals and like they're always talking about, oh, you're going to eat stuff because it's got like chemicals and stuff and they're like... Unless you can show me like a chemical that's actually like had a lot of reliable studies done on it, uh, I'll give you a clear aspartame is not one of them because aspartame has like been shown time and time again to be fine. But if you can show me like a chemical that has like a lot of studies done on it, that you find a chemical you find in foods, radium, that is actually yeah, that's actually yeah, like so, something that's like, <laughs> really really bad, then fair play. But apart from that, people just freak out when they see chemical names. What they don't realize is that you could actually break a banana down into its chemical compounds. And once again, it comes down to this whole sort of like people's perception of things is what drives their their kind of like actual behavioral habits. And there'll be so many people that'll be like, oh, I, I eat a chemical-free diet and things like that. It's like, that's bollocks. Like it's everything you eat is made up of chemicals. <laughs> like it's impossible not to. I don't know if you carry this, but I think some people are really in denial or stubborn about starting uh, a diet. You know what I mean? Like they sort of keep trying to wear the same jeans, even though they're going up a waistline. And it's like, so long as they don't buy the big pair of jeans, they're, they're all right. And it's like that's a form of fucking mental gymnastics. That's that's so much willpower to do that. It is. But it's, just, it's just like just do it. it it's mate. laziness and fear of failure usually. Yeah. They don't trust themselves to get the job done because they have low self-esteem. That's often what you'll find. But. Yeah. So, how did you um? How did you go about losing your weight, Sam? Because I remember you were like, you, you weren't fat. You're exaggerating a bit there, but you were a bit chubs at uni. Like, I got some photos of you, and yeah, you definitely had some cheeks on, yeah. But like, um, his face cheeks, by the way, not his. Yeah. Um, it, 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 <laughs> just questioning it. Just calling Sam thick as fuck on live the thing is, I do actually have the ass of a fucking 25-year-old Nigerian princess, so that I, that's also true. <laughs> nice, yeah. But yeah, how did you go and about doing it? Just fucking eat less food and move more body. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? it, it's legit not difficult. It's but too fair. It's just like, I'm actually just a bit of a fucking psychopath. So it's like, you know, you said about like, uh, if you have a wine, it's just like, it's that fucking Nietzsche quote, isn't it? If you have a if you have a big enough why, then you can get through anyhow. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it's just it's like it's a byproduct, right? You shouldn't go. I, I think dieting to lose weight is fucking weird, and I think that's that's a sign of mental illness. And it's just like, like who cares? Who cares what size you are? You should be a size. The fact that I got red pill where someone said like, yeah, walking around with fattening body is like walking around with like fucking three hundred and fifty Snickers bars taped to you. And you're like, oh yeah, that is actually what it is. That's really, really weird. It sounds, yeah, like so. Basically, you just use like metacognition. You're just like trying to think about. Or did did it just come naturally? No, that's what fat is. Fat is just literally stored food. You don't fucking need it on your body. People are like, oh, all this cool stuff. Yeah, awesome. If you're fat and like that's genetics, whatever, doesn't matter. It's like you don't actually need that shit, unless unless you're planning on not eating for like a week which you're not going to not do, then you don't need it. But I think 
if you just change your diet and you're talking about uh, how McDonald's is not to blame and stuff, I think food is massively to blame because it just triggers your pleasure like uh, release receptors is a dopamine response system where it just dumps that. So when you stop eating food that's bad for you, you stop wanting that food. Yeah, I know, but the food, the food doesn't have agency. It's the addiction to the food. It's like, but like, like it does. Of course, it does. Like, like sugar is literally an addictive chemical. I remember I talked about yeah, that, yeah. the poo transplant, right? I think I think we all have a very exaggerated sense of how much we control our bodies and how much we control our actions. And it's like, yeah, if, yeah, okay. if you don't eat donuts, you're not going to crave donuts because you haven't had donuts to crave. Yeah. When you don't, when you don't eat bad things, you don't want the bad things because your body is not constantly asking you for that thing that's previously had that gave it a big dopamine surge. I think there's another point about, you obviously mentioned genetics. It's like, yeah, okay, some people are big boned, most aren't. Uh, I think you also have to factor in like eating disorders and how eating habits can relate to things like depression and anxiety, which I think are much more common and much harder to, I think they have to be tackled separately or differently than just willpower alone they feed, I don't they feed into each other so often like when you're like yeah. putting anybody like uh, so if, if you got somebody who's depressed or anxious like it depends like if you like we follow what's called the step care model in psychology which is where you look at addressing like are they able to engage in like self-help or something like that first before we look at any low-level cbt or like talking therapy or something like that often if you'll find that somebody that's depressed or anxious and has a problem with weight as well or like a problem, not necessarily, because this is the other thing I was going to talk about earlier. Like when we talk about like poor nutrition, it's not just necessarily that they're overweight or they're underweight. They could be a normal weight. They could have a normal BMI, but they could be eating like shit. They could be eating like a terrible diet that completely neglects uh, potential food allergies they have or like intolerances or, you know, chronic inflammation or anything like that. So like there's so many, like it's such a multifaceted thing, but they do feed off one another and you have to start somewhere. And often I find that when we've got people who are really, really depressed or really anxious, you have to set them quite simple goals. And sometimes it can be just as simple as, why don't you just try cooking yourself something nicer? Why don't you try something e- eating something a bit nicer? You might find it makes you feel a bit less shitty in the morning, might have a bit more energy about you. Um, so you can use one to help the other. Um, and the same goes for people that are really struggling with weight loss as well. Like perhaps like someone's really overweight. Well, Every time I try to lose weight, I just can't seem to have the willpower. All right, okay, how's your mental health? Not too great. I'm really depressed. Right, so maybe we try with the angle of fixing your depression first or improving your depression. Speak with your GP, see if they can offer some treatment, and then have a crack at losing weight then and see if maybe that helps. So they 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 tie in together, and you'll find it's a domino effect. If you fix one, you'll often find that you can fix the other as well. But yeah, it's really common to see issues with weight or malnutrition in, in depressed and anxious people. Because like they they typically just don't look after themselves. That's a key characteristic of those kind of mental health disorders is is lack of self care. Yeah, it sounds like those those goals got to be really incremental because otherwise it can be so destroying for morale if you're giving yeah. something that's just not tangibly achievable in a sort of like a time frame. I'm not going to make any like give any names, um, but I had a lady on the phone the other day who told me that. Um, Oh yeah, I I just I I can't go out the house um, at all. And I was like, really? I was like, what, what have you tried? And she was like, well, I'll stay in the house for ages, and then like one day, like I'll finally work at the courage, and I'll go out and I'll go out shopping and like try and go and see my friends and stuff like that. I was like, well, you're doing too much. Then I said, let's try simple. Let's try. How about tonight? You're going to go out and you're going to stand outside your front door for a minute and get some fresh air, and then you go come back in and crack on with your evening, go to bed. 
And then tomorrow you're going to go outside and you're going to stand outside for two minutes. Okay. And if two minutes is too far, that's fine. Let's pull it back. Let's go one minute. 30. And I, I, it took me a while to explain it to her, but I was trying to explain that you need to do like sort of softly, softly catchy monkey. And like, rather than do it all in one go and like try and hit it too hard. And once she did that, like instantly it worked. I, I caught up with her four days later. She was doing way better. She was already looking at returning to work. I'd managed to get her some bereavement counseling. Like it was sick. Like just literally telling her, why not try practice just going outside for a little bit of time then if you can't do the big shopping trips? And she just didn't seem to comprehend that before, that there was such thing as going a little bit slower and, and, and like sort of slow and steady wins the race. And it, it had a profound impact on her, man. And she was like really grateful for it. So that was pretty awesome. But I see it all the time. Um, and the same thing yeah, goes for nutrition. Cool. You've got to like set realistic goals and people are too ambitious. Don't have, a, have proper knowledge on what to do. And, uh, and a surprise when they fail because not only were they given shitty advice by someone, but they've also tried to do something way too ambitious and to top it all off, if they got mental health problems or low self-esteem where they almost like can sometimes set themselves up to fail anyway for that whole sort of confirmation bias where it's like, Oh, I knew I was useless at this. I knew I'd never be able to lose weight back to, back to where I was before then. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you mentioned a couple of bits there and, um, reminded me last time we were talking about, you know, this whole fucking whole idea of like, if you s- slip up, it's not like a, it's not a lucky streak. You don't just lose it and then like completely give up. Yeah. And I think that's where the arbitrary nature comes back into play. Yeah. Cause you're just like, well, now hang on. I, okay. It was arbitrary. This whole fucking thing. Like when I start and what exact steps I do, that was, it is just whenever. So I can just pick it back up again. I could just, just start again. And, it, and again, like you said, it's just fucking really slow. Um, I think that could be quite a comfort sometimes because, um, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had anything you want to like cut out, like cigarettes or alcohol. Um, I've, I've had to cut down my alcohol consumption considerably. Um, well, not that considerably, like literally. I, I have a, a pint after work most nights I work. And I, yeah, sometimes it's like, well, that's just a bit too much because, you know, because one can turn to a couple and then you, you're in the fucking, bar that's open till four. I mean, not, not now, but, uh, with COVID and everything, but like it's within the units of, of the, the, the guidelines for the week, but it's still like, all it takes is like, uh, an extra sort of thing happening that week. Like you guys are down or whatever, and it's pushed way over it. And since those things can happen quite often, it's like one has to be one or whatever. Um, so I don't know if you guys have ever, had anything like that was it like i don't know if you guys have had like problems like smoking or fucking any, anything else like fucking cake or whatever you never had to like cut a specific thing out cornflakes <laughs> sounds pretty tame but it's literally just cornflakes i just whack open the box dive my hand in i have a problem here uh yeah i still eat cornflakes but just not so that they turn my bones to dust anymore. Cornflakes are good though. Fair enough. Sounds like Zach is definitely not kicked his cornflake habit. Yeah, not so. You can hear the crunching of cornflakes in the background. <laughs> yeah, just on my tenth bowl of the day now, lads. <laughs> Injecting the milk into the veins. My oh, mate, smoking's easy to quit. You just stop fucking smoking. Yeah, legit. Did did you go cold turkey as well? It's just like it's like the, it's the, that old phrase, isn't it? Um, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. <laughs> nice. Just go, oh, cool. I'm just stopping smoking. Don't do it. And you just tear up the last six cigarettes you have and just fucking put them in the bin. 
Yeah, bright and lines. Be angry for a week. Yeah, but just be a, be an awful, terrible human being, and inflict damage on others, like uh, emotionally and verbally. I mean, yeah, it kind of leads into um, the fucking urge surfing. I don't know if you've come across that term. Shit, hit me up. Um, I think it's a little bit like what we were saying with mindfulness, just like noticing the hunger or the urge to smoke or whatever, like dispassionately. Um, yeah, it just disappears. Like that's, that's what's cool about fasting is like you notice the hunger waves, like the ghrelin waves like appear and you just go, nah, not doing it. And then it just goes away. Yeah. And I think you can do so many other things. Yeah. It's kind of like being transcendent, just like stepping back and going, okay, I've noticed. That's what I was doing on that fucking fasting. But it's like, um, I think specifically for dieting or like cutting something out, you just sort of go, okay, I'm hungry rather than I need to eat. And I think there's like a massive difference in the way you frame it. I know you're saying like, okay, just stop doing it. But like some people just legit can't. Like they just need to, Obviously, they can, but it's just a case of like fucking rethinking how they're approaching the problem. I mean, you can do it. You just, I think once, yeah. you, made, once you made the choice, it's like pretty easy. You just got to make that choice. That's the hard bit. Yeah. I, I think some people think they've made the choice, though, is the problem. And it's like, you, now you haven't. You've got to think, sit yourself in a room, think a bit more about the choice you make and also the steps. Because also, like, it's all well and good to say arbitrarily saying, okay, I've, I've made this choice, or whatever. Um, we talked about it with ethics in the past and we like just fucking you can't just like treat things arbitrarily it's like has to be in the practice as well like you you do it you literally just fucking do it as opposed to just thinking it and I think it's difficult to to kind of you, you, something has to switch for you to do it and it's it's Marcus Aurelius mate it's stop talking about what makes a good man and be one yeah I love yeah. that quote it's fucking big daddy mate yeah it, it, it's what it's what I was saying earlier, though, because like I think often you'll find that people that know they just need to do something but don't do it don't actually really want to do it, and it, it, and they may say like, "Oh, but I really want to do it. I'm really unhappy about how how much I weigh or whatever," and that's probably true, but there can be other reasons why they don't actually want to do it. And like I said, the two key ones I usually find is because they're they they're not keen on the amount of work it's going to involve, so laziness. But a big one is just fear of failure. They they just don't trust themselves to do it. They don't want they they don't actually want to do it because it's going to be a lot of effort. It's going to be a lot of discomfort, and they're scared of what it's going to be like to fail because they have no confidence in themselves. So those are kind of like the two biggest ones I usually see with people that like on face value are saying, "Yeah, I really want to do this. I really want to beat my depression or lose weight." but they're still not doing it even when I tell them to, you know, and I'll touch base with them yeah. a week later. I'll be like, Oh yeah, no, I sent, I sent you over that, that, uh, that self-management stuff. You know, I, I noticed you haven't read it yet. And they'll be like, yeah, no, I know I should have. I just haven't. It's like, well, that means you don't want to. Then <laughs> they'll be like, No, 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 no. I, I do want to. I'm like, well, you know, talk, talk me through how bad you want it. Like, you know, what needs to change for you to actually do it if you want it then. And usually when you get down to it, it's confidence issues and just, you know, a bit of laziness as well. Yeah, we were talking about learned helplessness, weren't we? It's fucking great. What were you saying about learned helplessness? That's fucking super interesting, that is. You were talking about it, I think. I, I, I think yeah, it was you. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, was like, it me? It was being super interesting. Fucking hell. Yeah, so, you, you were, mate. Learned helplessness um, is interesting. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, I think some of it is actually overthinking as well. That's that's part of the issue. I think some people can just fucking... I don't know. Like, I, I, think, I think you're right in like the whole just do it. 
very interesting. Um, so in the book actually brings up like a lot of um, psychological studies and stuff about how deliberate cognition and conscious thought might not be the key to control. It's actually um, kind of practice. Because well, that, that presumes that, that like conscious thought and willpower exist, right? Yes, yeah. And like that's not certified at the moment. Yeah, I mean, one of the things he does straight away is to bracket the question of free will. He's just like, I'm just going to leave that there. We probably don't have it, but... Pretty, gonna... Yeah, it's a pretty big thing that you want to be throwing around before you use terms like willpower, isn't it? Yeah, he's just like, let's let's just talk about free will as in the appearance of free will. I think we're going to have to do that here as well, because just like... Sure can't... like, like the, the appearance of choosing to do something. But like, yeah. but like we said about that woman who had the, the poo transplant, and suddenly she's addicted to sugar, and it breaches the blood uh blood brain membrane it's like that's overpowering your free will that's 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 literally turning your free will off there's this fucking thing um it's like the ability to delay instant gratification is literally just naturally stronger in some people and obviously the 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 point of all this is to develop that which can be done for everyone as long as the the brain literally isn't broken like the point is it's it's stronger in some people and stronger in not and like that's literally like that poo transplant is like one of those examples but also he says it's a it's generally a better indicator of academic and career success than iq according to all the studies yeah the conscientiousness is the big five personality trait is like the one that's most uh, mapped towards success the conscientiousness and iq that makes sense right if you're working more than you're going to more likely to have better things coming so it's just worth more. But do you think there's there's room for like the negative impacts of other people? Because I think people fucking, the people generally do love dragging people down. So like if you go, oh, I'm on a diet now, they go, oh no, go on. Have, have, this, have this cake. Go on, I just bought some, I just yeah. bought a round, have a pint. Well, that's, yeah, I actually think that was the biggest because because like lockdown. I'm... You're not getting a real drink, you just got a water or, or a lemonade or yeah, like, like lockdown. I didn't drink much. I like four at the end of the week, yeah. and like, like when we did a pod, did a podcast, that was it. And then like now I'm back at the bar. It's like I'm not like blaming anyone because uh, fucking up. You know, I like a pint. You know, it's best to have a pint when you're not sat like fucking on Discord or whatever. It's you know, I think it is much more enjoyable in a bar. Uh, but at the same time, it's like you've got people around you just going like, "Go on, go on, have one, have one." You just finished, have a pint. It's like it's nice, but I can see how for some people where it's a problem and you want to cut down. So I think I've got it in a nice limit now, so it's it's fine. But like, um, yeah, some people probably do that. Yeah, that, that environment is just not helpful for them. Yeah, man. The amount of times I've just practically been berated, and not not by you guys, by the way, but just. And on any given I'm sort of sure night out for not having a drink. I'm sure I've berated you before. And the uproar when I'm not having a drink is, is mad, really. Yeah, I think that was me still, mate. <laughs> How do you guys feel about gastric band surgery? Uh, it's, it's a crutch for mental weakness. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. That's why I stuck this here. I don't even believe that. It's just a fucking meme. I think whatever, like, it's pretty fucked up that human beings get to that point, really. It's a, um, it's, it is, it's a really great, is it? it? It should only be used in like genuinely life threatening situations. And even then, like, I, I'm, I'm not 
sure off the top of my head like just how many of those that there were truly it would be necessary but it's like a it's a classic case of treating a symptom not a cause um so like rather than like drilling down and saying okay this person has a problem with eating and has made no real successful effort shall we say because they may have like made some what they thought was effort to lose weight but they, they made no actual like successful progress in losing weight let's have this fucking awful constrictive surgery like done on them instead whereas re- realistically they need a they need a referral to a a good nutritionist um they need to be ex- they need to be talked about you know the, the, the benefits of like going down this route and the longevity of it and the fact that gastric band surgery is not the way to go and it's going to cause lots of other problems in the long run potentially and but they don't people like the easy way it's the same reason that people who have like lower back pain or something like that or like a, a pain in their knee or something like that they'll instantly just be like oh, i need surgery or, or even like prior to surgery like people are like, oh, i need physio straight away it's like well no, like there's so many things you can do prior to that. And there's so many things you should do prior to that. Go down that route first, really give, put, put some effort into it. Why, why are you yeah, just I, jumping on the surgery? But it, again, it comes down to those two things, mostly that I talked about earlier, which is combination of laziness and a lack of self-belief or, or a, a disdain of failure. It's usually the, the key things that you'll see with people that will go for a surgery as opposed to what they perceive to be the harder, trickier route that they might fail at. They see surgeries. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're, I think that, yeah, that speaks a lot of truth, really. Um, I do feel like there is a significant portion of people who aren't quite fair when it comes to gastric band surgery. One of the things to remember is that it actually fucking works. It is relatively low risk as an operation. Uh, obviously, there are fucking problems with it um, and it isn't something to consider lightly, but it it does actually work. And the people that diet are actually more likely to be the people that are obese. You know, the, the biggest indicator of somebody being obese is if they've been on a diet before because lots of people relapse. And this seems to have more success. Um, obviously, it's not something that you should prescribe to anyone like it's, it's fuck it is it is dangerous enough to be like okay fucking hold back on it and try everything else first and if everything else doesn't work then maybe consider it but i do feel like some people just hate it because people are trying to reduce their cravings because that's literally what it's for isn't it it's like fucking tighten your stomach you don't want to eat as much the analogy would be like if somebody was addicted to drugs and took medicine to reduce their cravings or, you know, you, you, the wife of a crackhead locks him in a cupboard. And says like, like, like methanol or... Yeah, yeah, just, or, or just, yeah. Or like, yeah, I think people... Rehabilitation programs. Yeah. Isn't or like, you know... You, literally what they do. Yeah. Or you stick someone in a cupboard and be like, okay, you, you, you don't have the willpower at the moment to do that. To come off it. You know, I've got to like lock you away and then see so the chemical addiction goes away. I feel like this is just the same thing. Obviously, it's, it's a little bit more dangerous. It's um, it's not it's not the first thing people should jump to, but I feel like some people, even in extreme circumstances, are like, "Nah, fucking, why are you doing that? It's cheating." And it's like, "Hang on, what are you? you, you someone's trying to balance the playing field because you know they they want to take away that craving, just like the the guy who's doing like drug re- rehabilitation, and you're still 
you want him to be surrounded by cake all the time. You want him to be in like the most stressful situation. Just be like, no, 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 do it on your own own steam kind of thing. Like you have to. It's like uh, I don't know. I, th- I think you're misconstruing though, like, the, the problem because like what what gastric band is is like the equivalent of putting a plaster on something. Like yeah, absolutely, it can work. But as you rightly pointed out, there's a number of risks. Um, so I've, I've I've seen what that actually looks like. Um, so uh, aside from like you know things going septic. Um, uh, the gut can become blocked. Um, you can get all sorts of like infections. Like there's a really like bad risk of like blood clots as well. Um, so we actually had um, a guy who had um, uh, a pulmonary embolism as a result of um, uh, of a gastric band um, that that fucked up. To say that like the risks are minimal is is not true at all. It's it's, it's quite a risky surgery. Not something that should be taken lightly. And I would say that anyone that says, oh, I've tried everything else before going to surgery is lying. They haven't. They've just not been effective in what they've done, which is probably as a result of misinformation and a lack of adherence to what they were doing. So you made you made the point earlier that like most people like have tried weight loss at some point. They've most people that are obese have been on a diet. That's absolutely true. So I've got let me get the figures up. Because the, the figures are like absolutely astronomical. I don't think anyone really wants gastric band surgery though. I think a lot of people I think a lot of people do, mate. I think you'd be surprised because they just feel they see it's the only option. They think it's the only thing that's available to them. I mean, if you're morbidly obese, it's worth bearing in mind there are fucking horrible health detriments from that as well. But when you're talking about the level of obesity that requires gastric band surgery, you know, I I, I do think it's it's a toss up. It, but then I, but that's when I'd say that if, if you're in a point where it's actually like life threatening or something like that, those are like the instances where I'd say it's fine to use, but like, you know, there's plenty of, yeah, we're not saying, yeah. yeah but, there, but then there's, there's plenty of, like the, the problem that you have when you use a surgery is like I said earlier, you're, you're addressing the symptom. You're not addressing the cause to address the cause. You have to put in a plan that has some form of longevity, some ha- that, that has some sort of process where this person needs to learn how to manage their condition moving forward. Yeah. When I say it works though, what I think what I'm talking about is like the problem is the urge. The problem is you can't beat the urge. That literally does beat the urge at the source. I know there are other things you will have to do, um, especially further down the line and, and to not relapse, but I do think it does get at quite a lot of it. I think that's I think what why some people are very critical of it, because it just it literally is like cheating. I I do think it does eliminate a lot of the I might be wrong. I don't. Maybe I don't but know you, enough about it. You can it, do but... that without. You can do that without surgery. Like eliminate. So the, yeah, this urge yeah, yeah. that people talk about. If your diet, if if you're if you're like getting to the point where you're getting such bad urges to eat loads of food, then you're not doing a weight loss diet right. You know, you're, it means that you've probably cut too many calories. That you're in too aggressive a deficit, and your body's clucking for it. Most people don't know how to lose weight properly, and that's exactly why we have an obese. So. I put up a post on my Instagram like uh, a couple of months ago talking about this. Like the number of like people that are successful in losing weight when they set out to um, lose a certain percentage of their body weight. I can't remember what the figures are off the top of my head, but like it's really high. The amount of people that actually lose weight is it's a problem with people keeping the weight off. That's like the main problem is because people don't know how to do it, and usually it's because they try to lose too much too quickly in one go, um, and that's why they will get these cravings. You know, your body's got a whole load of defense mechanisms in place to try and keep you from losing weight it doesn't want you to like starve or anything like that and there's people out there that'll say that putting your body in starvation mode's bollocks but i think it depends on the way you look at it i think it's true to a degree a lot of these people are probably just eating so like eat, eat, eating so little compared to what they normally do that they're instantly getting these cravings and it's really exacerbated so a lot of these people would find that if they just slowed down 
And all right, yes, they may be a beast. They may have health problems. And, you know, sometimes time is of the essence. And maybe you could make a case for gastric band in that instance. But I'd say most of the time, what these people need is just a nutritionist to sit down with them and show them some good sustainable practices for losing weight and to not just go on a fucking juicing diet for two months where they like go from eating 6,000 calories a day to suddenly eating 800 calories of kale smoothies a day, wondering why they can't stick at it, wondering why two months later they're fucking depressed and they've put all the weight back on and think their only option is, is, uh, is having surgery. I can't understand why I can't lose the weight. I've tried everything. No, you haven't. You've tried some shitty things that got sold to you by some snake oil salesman. And that was your idea of what weight loss is. True weight loss is completely accessible and achievable for everybody. Anyone that says that they've tried to lose weight and they just couldn't, it means they weren't actually losing weight. They, they, they haven't got themselves in the calorie deficit. They haven't done it properly. Everyone can lose weight. I think there are there are very 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 small minority that can't, but we're talking about like less than one percent. Yeah, so but just, just but, as a caveat, to that. yeah, but but even in those instances, so you're talking about people that may have like some issues with like hormones and things like that. Even then, they yes. can still lose weight. Those people, yeah, it's like those, those massive supersized like six well, people who weigh like I don't know like four five hundred pounds and are bed bound from their like their mid twenties or something. They they. They literally lose like fifty pounds in two weeks just by not as eating as much Snickers bars or something. Yeah, yeah. it's physically impossible to be in a calorie deficit and not lose weight. So it's just a question of finding your calorie deficit. Everyone can lose weight. I don't dispute there's people out there that will have certain, you know, genetic or or otherwise uh, diseases or, or or whatever that that may make that harder absolutely but like you said they're in the minority there's a lot of people that seem to think they're part of that minority that actually aren't there's a lot of people that use genetics as a as a as a, as a crutch as a as an excuse when they shouldn't you know these are the, the kind of attitudes and beliefs that we have to deal with like oh yeah no it's just that's how my dad was that's how my mum was or whatever so that's just how i'm gonna be yeah once again that's that kind of like preemptive failure they're just like resigning themselves to it and once again you're, you're dealing with these people that don't actually truly want to lose weight like there are people that it's more difficult for but they can still lose weight trust and also me. it's probably environmentally because they're eating the same things and having the same meal habits that their parents are yeah so it's like I, more environmental than just genetic so I've got I've got the stats here for obesity in the UK. So this just puts in perspective how bad it was. So this was um, uh, stats um, from the NHS for 2018 slash 2019. So 11,117 hospital admissions di- were directly attributable to obesity. Um, this was an increase of 4% uh, from the previous year when there were 10,660 admissions. 876,000 hospital admissions where obesity was a factor, which was an increase of 23%. Um, the majority of adults were overweight or obese, 67% of men and 60% of women. This included 26% of men and 29% of women who were obese. So that's insane. So like yeah. the majority of people who were admitted to hospital in, in, in those years were either overweight or obese, which just puts in perspective, A, how many people there are that are actually, that this is a problem for, but B you often find that people with health issues, other health issues like musculoskeletal related problems, mental health disorders, things like that will often be overweight or obese as well, which is what you said earlier. So it all ties in. So anybody that's anyone that seems to think that, Oh, the fat time obese is not a big deal. Yes, it is. That little niggle in your back that could potentially be made better. If, if, if you, if you fixed your weight, you know, 
the, the fact that you're depressed, that could also be made better if you fixed your weight. People don't seem to understand the significance of losing it. And that's why I'm, I'm really reluctant to condone people like having surgery and things like that when they could learn sustainable practices to put in place. You know, there's, there's just no excuse for it. In my opinion, I've seen people who've gone from weighing hundreds of kilograms. Like we, we had a guy called, uh, uh, sorry, I nearly said his name then that, that'd be instantly, (laughs) instantly fired. Um, yeah, we, we, we had a, um, uh, a guy who was, can you give him a fake name? Uh, let's call him, uh, let's call him, uh, I don't know. I nearly said Bertie then. I don't know why that name came to mind. Um, (laughs) <laughs> let's let's call him uh I, yeah man he, he's just a man um he was like 276 kilograms uh which is just absolutely obscene like this dude was so badly overweight it was unreal but he was able to lose that weight you know and if you saw pictures of him it was just absolutely awful the state he got himself into but he got on a pan um he was using uh herbalife admittedly which i have mixed emotions towards but you know even though they rip people off they are a viable way to lose weight sometimes um and he was able to lose a ton of weight due to that and he was able to keep the weight off and he doesn't come around in our little um sickness kind of cycle we call it where you see people people's names come up time and time again as having lots of periods of sickness absence maybe it's because he's used a lot of his sick pay up that's probably a factor. But I also think a big factor is, is that since he started to lose weight, it's just improved his health drastically. And he went about losing weight one of the more appropriate ways as opposed to having surgery. And I think he could have been a prime candidate for it. But like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not here to bash surgery. I guess I'm just saying that when you, when you, when you go for surgery, you sometimes bypass the, good, the principles that you can learn from actually going about like the longer, slower way. So I know what you're saying about that. Like, yeah, yeah. That, so that's, that's, yeah, that's actually what I was just going to say. Um, I do think you learn a lot about mental discipline and like broader things. Cause I think that's part of the point of what yeah. we're saying, I guess is like a lot of these things can be extrapolated to other things. And yeah, I, that, that's, that's, I think, I, I think I totally agree with you. Like I, I, cause I think I am talking about life threatening cases and it's like, then, then it is, it is just a cost benefit analysis. It's like, do you want to take the risk? And you know, how much time do you think you have to, implement mental discipline like which is which is better but do you think you have the time and it's yeah i, I so so from there I, I i agree with you yeah i think i think one of the one of the best um things you can do actually is um like planning and limiting i've done this with chocolate actually to basically just buy what you need to cook don't fucking buy anymore if you need more you can always go down to the shop get a pack of crisps if you really fucking want to if you really want to do the extra shop go down to the corner shop I don't know. I don't know what your guys' fucking shopping's like, but like, I always, I, I tend to like under buy. So I've cut, kind of cut out like stupid shit, and it's the same at a restaurant as well. Just like, just get your initial order. Don't worry, will it be enough? If you have the time to be there for a couple of hours and you're still hungry, then get the onion rings. It's just you know, you don't need to because there's a sort of twenty minute waiting period after you've eaten. It's different for different people, but like average is like twenty minutes where you actually find out if it was enough or not, just wait that 20 minutes. you got like fucking hundreds of millions of neurons or whatever in your stomach. It's fucking, it's like a second brain. Just like, just fucking wait. Like it will tell you, it will just fucking tell you. You always eat with your eyes. Well, I'm not sure whether I said this on the um, uh, previous potty, but I think the sensation of you being full psychologically, your brain telling you to stop is when, yeah, your stomach's 
I think I might have said this, stunt you stunt was about a third of his actual capacity on average. Oh, really? I think so. I don't you did. I can't really uh, cite this source because I heard it from somewhere once. And I can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember where. But it, the logic checks out because if you think when you, when you sit down and you think, oh, I'm quite full, but no, come on, are you really, really full? I mean, if you're pushing your body to the limit of every single meal, you probably could have about three times the amount of food. Oh, that's bad. I think I did that once. I had a curry and I, I fucking hell. I went for a drink afterwards and I was just there like... It's always a curry. Crying. It is always a curry with me, yeah. Fucking yeah. Just just eat soup, like literally. It's like the best food for diets and stuff. But one of the things he says actually is is just don't like completely reinvent your diet. Just change it. Just make alterations. And then if that's not if that's not actually doing it, just fucking just keep altering it. Like do it, do it slowly in degrees. Do you want to know what the best diet is? This is going. This is going to be one weird trick diet. to lose weight. Oh, run the, keto, isn't it? Yeah. Um. The bet. The the best diet to lose weight is whatever diet you want to eat that you're going to be able to keep up for a long period of time and see the results you want, and is not going to make you poorly. So it's going to address any food intolerances and stuff. So what the best diet for you, Connor, is completely different to me. If you eat a diet where you cut out everything that you like, I give you a couple of months before you're fucking going mad and you can't sustain it. So what good is that? A diet should not Absolutely, be yeah, yeah. So Pete, and this is an interesting thing because Sam said earlier, he was saying like bad foods and stuff like that. And I know Sam probably doesn't mean it this way, but a lot of people will say like, oh, that's a bad food and stuff like that. Like, Yes, there are some foods out there that if you overconsume them, they will be bad for you. But being honest, most foods out there, if you overconsume them, will be bad for you. Like, it's all about like perspective, and it's all about like balance. Like, if you like chocolate and you cut it out from your diet and you want to lose weight, you're, you're gonna find it tougher to lose weight, man. You need some shit in there that's gonna keep you on there because you can lose weight yeah, eating yeah. fucking anything. Like, I did this as an experiment once, like to prove a point to someone that you can lose weight eating anything. Like I was like eating just like literally just fucking crap. Like for a bit, this was when I was in my final year at uni, I was on the boxing team. Um, and I, I literally was just like eating like Mackie D's and stuff every day. And I lost weight. I did. I went down by like four kilograms. Like it doesn't really matter what you eat from a weight loss point of view, but ideally you want to eat stuff that's going to keep you full. It's going to keep you healthy. That's why it's good to eat healthy food. That's why you know, I could I could go on a diet of like fifteen hundred calories of McDonald's a day, and I'd definitely lose weight. But I'd feel like shit. I'd have no energy. Like you know, I won't be getting a lot of like yeah. my vitamins and stuff like that. Whereas I could go on a diet of like fifteen hundred calories of like good balanced stuff. I'd probably feel a lot more full. I'd feel a bit more energetic. So it's like it's all about having that balance. And people that just think that in order for me to like lose weight or in order for me to be healthy, I have to cut out anything with sugar in or stuff like that. It's just like, no, like if you don't like it, if you're fine, if you're okay with cutting it out, like Sam's a fucking nutcase. Like I know, I know for a fact that Sam's just happy to eat pretty much because I, I I'm, I'm, I'm coaching Sam for strength and condition at the moment. And I was like thinking to put him on a nutrition plan, but now I realized like there's no point. Cause he's just like, he's sound like he just will eat the same thing pretty much every day and be content which I haven't really met many people like that. Um, the majority of people do like to have like their treats and stuff like that. And I think if you took them off it long enough, they probably wouldn't need it. But most people don't want to do that. And to get results, I think sometimes you just have to like allow stuff like that in the diet and not, not vilify it so much, not demonize it so much. Like, you know. If- oh, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Like, 
<laughs> we've got a mate who eats just fucking pure McDonald's. <laughs> um, does he like, does he like a can Tim. of coke yeah <laughs> yeah Tim, Tim if you're listening we're talking about you mate we've had this conversation with you like that's probably on rails you know what I mean that's like that's I think that's because it's basically like we're talking about willpower and I think rather than just choose I mean shit I, I, reckon, I think Tim's actually fucking making these decisions himself I think I think he fucking knows what he's doing I think he's like it's fully informed he fucking loves it. I think some people confuse diets and think that it's like a lack of hedonism. But it's actually the complete opposite. It's uh, it's not like withholding things for the sake of it. It's actually it's just it's just delaying pleasure rather than denying it completely. There is this. Um, have you ever heard of Saint Francis of Assisi? He used to, um, yeah, he's quite a prolific sort of. Um, Christian philosopher, theologian. Um, he was so into like self-denial that when he did allow himself to eat cooked food, he'd mix it with ash or like cold water because he just fucking hated the idea of enjoying anything. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> this was Sam in a previous life. I am fucking on board. I'm on board, mate. I like this guy. No, it's literally just... He, he just fucking hated liking things because he's you know, it's, it was just like super Christian in a really aesthetic way, and yeah, it's it's not it's not about that. It's also not probably Tim. It's probably not about eating like McDonald's constantly. I think there's a happy medium between those two. Basically, is what I'm saying. Where it's it's literally just like just delay that gratification, exercise some willpower, and just think like okay, happiness, but happiness in the long term. You know, not not happiness in the day like just just think on a more sort of on a scale of longevity when you're thinking about happiness you know think about happiness for 30 years not you know, 20 seconds yeah i think there's just there's more to life than eating food like food is good but how much percentage of like your life is it like how much how much should you care about it like you, you're not like a dog you don't need treats you don't need cookies because you did a good work today it should just be like if your enjoyment comes from other, and this is what I think Kieran might have been uh, mentioning with these people, if they've got unfulfilling lives or whatever, then you go get a, something bad to make yourself feel bad. Well, I think your fulfillment is probably better to try and find it from somewhere else rather than like cookie crisp. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. But I think that more kind of nuanced intellectual, you know, where we get pleasure from and, what fulfills us can also be part of food. I think it's just a different approach to food and like even comes from limiting food. Like, like food's fucking unavoidable. We're always going to have to be eating food and enjoying it to some degree. I think you can just change how you do that and like what kind of enjoyment you get from food. Um, I don't know if it's kind of like a higher or lower pleasure thing, but like thinking of food as a more, well, as a luxury as opposed to a right, you know, and try and not just eating to be full, you know, eating to enjoy different things you know tr trying new food for instance be part of learning i don't know yeah I'd, i had an athletics coach once who who told me to um eat to live not live to eat basically i'm not entirely sure i think that's a socrates quote uh, okay it could be he might have uh, paraphrased them yeah another little little trick that i 
fact, going back to the sort of like the weekly food shop, I always make sure I do the shop on a full stomach. Because if I do it in a rush, when I'm hungry or more irritable, I'm more likely to make impulse buys and get stupid snacky stuff. Yes. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not going to talk about my shopping habits. No, oh, mate. <laughs> just get Brazil nuts. Just just pure selenium. Just, just get Brazil nuts, selenium. nothing else. Selenium's good, mate. We we keep buying a lot of chocolate at the moment. Like Ashley has been the last couple of shops. Ashley's bought him a big bar of Galaxy, and it's just it's made me so happy. Like I I love my snacks, mate. <laughs> I'm just gonna take a quick piss, and um, I'll speed through these last points like really quickly. Building off what we were just saying just now, um, one of the other things he says is keeping weight off, and how that's like the really hard part. And uh, the virtue he suggests is humility. So this is uh, kind of a relatively convoluted point compared to the willpower one. It's not quite as straightforward. It's mainly like recognizing you're going to fail like along those kinds of lines. Um, One of the things he talks about is like, humility is about experiencing the best stuff, not subjugating yourself to the worst. Um, It's like, humility isn't just like, because I think I've talked about humility in like a religious context, how it can be, self-destruction in the past and like ascetic stuff and uh, kind of putting yourself down but it's actually yeah, it's not all this like hiding your face hiding your hair flagellation eating grains of rice and stuff it's also about recognizing limitations and failures in a more positive way and like kind of being inspired by stuff so yeah in terms of recognizing when you're going to fail um, I don't know if you've heard of the the GI diet Kieran I was on mute yeah I have yeah, and like super fasting diets. Obviously, I don't. I doubt you would recommend anything like that. Again, it comes down to what I said earlier. Like, like no two diets are going to work for the same person. Like, you, I, I could put you on a on a low carb diet, like an Atkins diet or something like that, and it could do really good for you for a bit. Um, whereas other people wouldn't be able to fucking stand it. Like, you know, it depends on what your goals are, what demands you'll you put your body through on a daily basis. Are you an athlete? Are you a mountain climber? Or are you somebody who's relative, relatively sedentary? Like uh, there's, there's so many factors in your, in your job, in your personal life, uh, the state of your mental health that you have to consider. The, 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 the if I was going to, cause I could talk about diets till the cows come home, but like, if I was going to like say one thing about diets is that they're 10 a penny. Like they've been around for so fucking long. Like there are some just in absolute insane diets out there. I can't remember if I talked about this last time, but like, like obviously we've got like the the current iterations of like common diets today. So you have got like vegan, keto diet, um, paleo, like these are like the popular ones. But what you'll find with diets is that they're, they're quite cyclical. So if you go back in history, you'll see that there will have been various iterations of that are similar to the diets that we have today. But if you go back far enough, like there's some absolute insane diet. So there was one called, um, I think it was literally just called the avoiding swamps diet. And it was basically like back in the 1700s, there was a guy called um, Thomas Short. Um, he was basically a geezer who observed that like more fat people live near swamps uh, and, 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 hypo- and, he, and he hypothesized. What are you doing? Yeah, and he hypothesized that avoiding them may be the key to like staying in good shape. 
Uh, avoiding swamps or fat people? Avoiding swamps. Um, yes. Yeah, so, right. uh, yeah, yeah. so it's called the avoiding swamps diet. Um, there was another one. So there was a guy called... Um, uh, of course, silly man. There was a guy called um, uh, Graham uh, was his surname. I can't remember his first name, but he was basically like a, a preacher, like a minister or something like that. Uh, he basically believed that people were fat because they had like too much sex. They were fucking too much. Um, so this was back in like the 1800s and um, he promoted something called the Graham diet, which is basically uh, an old, older veg... Uh, iteration of the vegetarian diet um this is the guy who actually came up with the graham cracker if anyone's heard of that graham crackers they're like yeah, yeah they're quite like they're like a, like a sweet snack in in america um but they were developed in an effort to reduce obesity and stop people from having sex um so like if you if you go back far enough you'll see some like insane stuff and you think oh that couldn't possibly happen today but then you've still got things like the lunar diet which is basically uh it's usually performed in like one of two ways. So you've got like the, what's called like the basic moon plan. Um, uh, and then you've also got the extended version. The, the first plan is basically a variation of like a, a juice cleanse, um, which hopefully yeah. you guys are familiar with what that is. Uh, basically that the individuals are only permitted to drink water and freshly squeezed fruit or vegetable juice. This is basically that they do this in a, in like a 24 hour period during either the full or the, the new moon. Um, and the extended version basically means the diet needs to begin with an initial fast during the, the full moon. And then they follow a series of like eating plans that are, are like tailored to various moon phases and shit. Um, so like they won't be like eating after 6 p.m. or that'll be in less than normal. And like genuinely, it's like still something that's going on today. So I, I wrote down the website because it was like, it's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm imagining like one of these '90s websites where it's like little graphics and gifs and things. Yeah, like. no, it literally is, mate. Like the website is just <laughs> so fucking. That's when you said um, GI index um, diet is that is that is that like a glycemic index thing? Was it something else? Yeah. So um, uh, basically, the purpose of it is to like kind of like it's it's all to do with like managing like blood sugar levels. So it's to like stop people from like having spikes in blood sugar levels um, due to like certain amounts of carbs or whatever in their diet and it can it, they, it can be quite popular for people that are obese but um they I, I know that sometimes they use like the gi diet for like people with diabetes and things like that yeah i think his main point is that it's it's incredibly extreme and i think it goes into like, a, a lot of this point i think we just covered in the last one i was just trying to look at like through my notes some of the and i think we basically covered it all but i, I think the main emphasis is basically just that we have very little actual control of our urges and bodies and whatnot. And basically blood sugar is a very hard, is a, a very uh, set thing of, of what determines how we feel and act. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about being fucking angry bastard when you're low on sugar or you're fasting or whatever. And cause that's something he experienced as well. Something I experienced as well. Sorry. <laughs> Last day. As you were. Um, so, not exactly that we're slaves to our biology, because he sort of he goes on and on about how we basically have no free will, and then he sort of says, "But we can recognize that, and that's the point in which we might be able to stick a little bit of control in there." So you you will never be able to uh, kind of help the feeling of like you have a stab of envy or a pang of guilt or 
you know, someone fucking falls on their face and you snigger or whatever, and you're a terrible person. But those automatic feelings, you're not going to be able to help. But the one thing that you can kind of help is your reaction to it. It's sort of like stoicism coupled with determinism. And um, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. So yeah, that's that's basically why he says it's humility. It's just like, just accept that there's very little you can actually control. And this, this is why diets need to be more gradual because like, like that poo transplant thing, it's like if, if it's fucking, this is just the crux of the conversation is the poo transplant. But like, legitimately, if you're, if you had a fucking poo transplant, you're going to be craving sugar and it's, that's going to be fucking hard. And just basically re- accepting, like working with the grain of the body in order to diet. Because if you just fucking go on some random stupid ass diet, you just, you just, it's just not going to work. I think that's the reason why most people fail because they're not really listening to their body at the same time. Yeah. Hun- as do things like urge surfing. Yeah. 100%. Listening to your body is such like an important thing. There was a, there was a really, I, I can't, did I talk about this last time about a guy called, um, Corpulence, the essay. Yeah, yeah, William. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that that's exactly what that is. So he was a geezer, like who, um, for those of you who didn't hear it last time, he he basically did something that was akin to like a a low carb diet, and he kind of like noticed that he um he enjoyed it and that it worked for him and he was able to lose some weight. But he made a really important point that he was kind of like he said that I understand. I can't remember his exact words, but he was like, I understand that this worked for me but I'm not going to go out there and say that this is like an amazing diet and everyone should do it. Like, this is just what worked for me. And like this, that was a long time ago. Like, and it's just so many people just don't seem to understand. Like that was the 1800s. Like these days people don't seem to understand that just because there's this diet they've tried that works for them. Doesn't mean you should go out and like perpetuate it, like for other people to use necessarily. Cause we're all so different. Like, you know, even, mm-hmm. even if people say that, Oh, the vegan diet is great. It's like, well, that's fine. But like, there's still people out there who can't have certain vegetables or, you know, there's some people out there that can have really, really low levels of iron and then they're going to need like supplements and things like that. And even then a lot of supplements, your body's not necessarily going to absorb them quite as well as if they were eating something like meat, which is a bit more bioavailable. Like there's so many like variables that you shouldn't just be going out and saying, yeah, this diet, if if there's anybody that's claiming that they have a diet that is the best diet for such and such, or that you should be on this diet, they're a fucking hack. They are like end off. Yeah, yeah. Because th- there's no such thing as one good diet for any one person. There's some general principles you can follow. Yeah. But apart from that, like, you know, you do you, man. Like if you you, you said about like love handles and stuff, like if they're not that big a deal to you and you're not that asked about losing them, then don't. Like Sam said earlier, like what's the point? Yeah, no, it's just it's just keeping on top of it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I, I I think that dude you mentioned, like he had the intellectual humility to just be like, yeah, no, it's it, this works for me and it's Connor, sit down at the table and eat your bowl of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to fasting before I fucking fall asleep. Okay, cool. The virtue he uses for fasting is autonomy, which shouldn't come as any surprise. Now, I know you guys, so Kieran and Sam, you're big on fasting, but Zach, have you ever done a fast? Hmm, not really. I think if I fasted, I'd probably just die. <laughs> I've got no reserves <laughs> left. Um, I wouldn't say I've ever even intermittently fasted before. There have been periods where 
I've just kind of realised, oh, I haven't eaten that much this evening. And I've then woken up late the next day and I've just clocked, oh, I've gone about 16 hours without having food. As long as I don't keep doing that over a four or five day week period or whatever, I probably need to catch up on calories or something. But I've, yeah, I've, I've never needed to personally myself. Fair enough. I think you should try it. I tried it. I have restricted the amount of calories I've taken in just by eating healthier stuff like white fish, brown, whole grain rice, vegetables. It's filled me up sufficiently. And I've woken up the next morning and it just feels like every, any ounce of fat that was hanging on my stomach has just, just disappeared. So, it, yeah, yeah. I, I've never really sort of needed to in that regard. I guess it's less about need and more about just kind of, I don't know. I, I think it is, it can be a very good thing to do because um, there's two kind of misconceptions about fasting. I realized this when I said this to somebody I worked with, I was like, oh, I'm doing a fast uh, tomorrow. And they were like, oh, what are you not eating? I was like, oh, everything. He's like, oh, right. Because quite, quite a lot of fasts, especially religious fasts, it's worth bearing in mind. Uh, it's not about fucking stopping eating completely. And a lot of them are uh, fasting from, so not just specific kinds of foods, but just fasting for a large majority of the day, like Ramadan. Uh, Catholic Friday fast is uh, just meat uh, or maybe some other food. Um, and the Vrati basically ends in a giant feast. A lot of people get fatter from Ramadan as well. So it's it's also about not just the body, but the soul, if that doesn't sound too woolly. But I think if, if you have a sort of existential view of the soul, not a metaphysical one. It's it I think it can work in a secular context as well. I think if you know if you don't believe in God, I think it's fine to say words like soul. I um my soul wasn't enriched from fasting, to be honest. I just felt fucking grumpy and lethargic for a day. I did a 24 hour fast. I was just doing uh water. I didn't touch anything else, didn't even have tea. Um yeah, I just I I did Try not to move very much. Yeah, it's smash up some intensive exercise, obviously. But yeah, yeah, I didn't want to push it just in case I did faint. We felt mainly the negative effects from it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the problem was I, I broke it very badly. It's anniversary dinner, and I, I had a I had a calzone, <laughs> which is not <laughs> the thing to do. This just fucking defeats the point, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite nice to urge surf. Actually, that was one thing I, I kind of did take away from it. Uh, that kind of mindful stuff of being, uh, you know, it's kind of, oh, okay, I'm, I'm above this thing. It's like the difference between kind of appetite and hunger. It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm, gonna, I'm feeling hungry, but I don't actually want to eat. And, it, you know, it did go away, came back, then went away <laughs> fucking quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it was only 24 hours. That's kind of small game, isn't it, really? You, how long have you guys gone, Sam and Kieran? Don't wait for Kieran to answer. No, I was going to let you go first. I've talked so much in this podcast. I'm getting self-conscious. Fucking chat box there. I am, mate. Fucking shit, mate. Um, That's fine. I've done like a two and a half day, three day fast, something like that. Fuck. Yeah, it was cool. Did you feel enriched? Yeah, mate, I felt pretty woke. It's just, it's pretty cool because you just, like you said about urge surfing, it just, it just, it lets you realise that again, you're just like this biological machine and that like when you think you're hungry you're not actually hungry it's just hormones telling you that you should eat some food and then it feels nice to be able to step past that and be like oh i'm actually not hungry i'm actually not going to die and then you can just drink and keep uh keep like having like water or whatever and you're fine 
did you did you find yeah. you had to kind of acclimatize to that so let's say you went sort of half a day then did it sort of a few days later then went one whole day before you built up to the two and a half or yeah yeah the first one well, i've only ever done like 24 hour day fast so i used to just like on sundays not eat but then um what i did i just felt like doing a 3a fast for some reason I just felt like i think it was literally well half of through lockdown I was just like, fuck, I'm just going to sit inside because it was like shit weather. I was like, I'm just going to sit inside, not eat, read books. That was like my entire... Do you think you could like have their teaching, do... Like, oh, yeah, I've done it. Yeah, yeah, I've done it like many times where you just... Fucking yeah, I, I don't think I could. I, yeah, I, so like I've, yeah. I've done it before. I've literally... So I've gone to the gym in the morning, done a day of teaching and then done jiu in the evening and then just gone to bed. Because I've done it a couple of days on like a Thursday or whatever. Just as as like as like kind of n- not straight away, not straight away. But I've done fast on like a Sunday where I'm not doing much and then built up to it until it's just like, oh, it is actually just a normal thing you can do. You can just not eat. Because I did a lot of intermittent fasting and that's kind of like the the bridge to it. Yeah, you do have to fucking bridge into it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think if you just if you just go like cool intense day, but I find I find it's how did you feel like mentally when you were doing it. In what sense? So, like, 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 like clear thoughtedness. Did you feel like? Um, no, nah, I was. I had a lot of. Um, I couldn't think very clearly. Uh, I, I find it harder to concentrate. No, I, I didn't. I didn't think. It, it felt good because I did feel like I was being more autonomous. Uh, it, I, I felt like I was more in control, in that sense of like urges uh, to eat, but. Nah, to be honest, I don't think I could have really concentrated on a task. I don't think I could have done anything physical, really. Um, but, I, but I think that's just lack of practice. I think maybe that does come with uh, more exposure to it. I'm convinced there's a bit of placebo in it, to be honest. Just like my... Co- so the, the one thing I do want to address, oh, yeah, kind yeah. of right-wing yes. fake news extraordinaire, I, I'm not actually an advocate of fasting. Like, I don't, I don't do it. Like, I, I've done... I've done done some like what you could call, I guess, intermittent fasting where I experimented with eating windows, but that was purely for, um, I, I, I'm, I'm still like kind of like undergoing diagnosis of like some digestive issues. So I I get like really bad, like gastroesophageal reflux disease, um, or at least symptoms of that ilk. Um, that's like the kind of initial diagnosis. And one thing I was advised to do was to like experiment with eating windows. So that did mean that I was doing like some sort of like intermittent fasting. But that's probably like the only time I've really used it. Um, I've never done a full fast. I I wouldn't do it because I I personally just don't like fair play. I understand what you guys are saying about like you learn about yourselves. It's kind of like there's like a philosophical point to it. Like you're teaching yourselves like what what your limits are, what you actually really need like to survive. But self control as well. I get that, but there's just so many physical things that will happen in your body when you do that as well. Like particularly if you're on a three day fast. Yeah. Your body's just going to start breaking down lean lean muscle mass and stuff straight away. And like if you've got like any kind of like interest in like performance, like as an athlete, you're just going to be undoing work. Yeah, like, not not going to lie. I mean, especially with like the volume of training I'm trying to do this winter, if I was to go yeah. out on the athletics track and do 400 meter efforts, I'd get halfway through the second one and probably just collapse. You could probably think, yeah, you, would, you would. You wouldn't do on that. Yeah, you wouldn't do on that day. That's fucking. That's like suicide, dude. I think I understand it more in an abstract concept. I don't think it worked for me. I think it probably could work for me. Um, I'm interested in it as kind of a spiritual exercise because I. Yeah. I very interested in like how we fill the gap of God. And I think a lot of people that are doing religious fasting now are probably just blindly following tradition. And I, I think that fasting is a very big element of 
religion, even though it should be said that uh, you have fucking monastic orders like the Rule of Benedict. They used to have half a bottle of wine a day. Um, Trappist monks, I don't know if you've had like that really strong fucking Trappist beer. It's like 11%. Um, Thomas Aquinas was a fat bastard. Um, but ge- generally, religion, <laughs> religion has been like very into fasting. It's always been a massive part of it. And as we sort of try and maybe create a secular alternative, I just wonder if like fasting will play a role in that. Um, we, I think we've talked a little bit about like humanism and uh, kind of redefining atheism and kind of having more rituals and myths. Probably something I've talked about with Nye more, but just kind of wondering if fasting has a role to play in that. Because since it is just such a big religious thing, whether whether fasting would continue to be, even if just for health benefits. But um, yeah, I don't. I I'm not. I don't think I'm a fan in practice. Uh, to me, it is a bit like you know. Try not breathing. The first breath you take after, oh, I feel great. Yeah. It's like, it's like well, that yeah. Is, that's also a legit practice, though. <laughs> I know, I bet yeah, it is. That's super sick because then you're so much more grateful for the things you do have. Don't so wash for six months. You'll feel you'll feel really clean after. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's like um it's like that Seneca thing where it's like take four days every month and eat nothing but like the worst food and wear the worst clothes and then ask yourself, is this the thing I truly fear? It's, yeah, he told us, he, Seneca told us to re- rehearse poverty. It's yeah, like, but yeah. it's like once you go through that phase, you're like, okay, cool. So I guess when I'm on the bus home or whatever, or when I'm on like a, when I'm like in the airport, I don't actually need that like food. I don't need that thing that I was going to get. I can just choose not to eat. And that's what, yeah. I think, what he was on about with autonomy. Like it gives, you, it gives you much more control of yourself. Yeah, I think it's it's good to try a fast, it, maybe to inform a diet. So, like to real to do a fast, hard fast, and then realize I can extrapolate these tools for when I'm dieting or for when I'm trying to give up cigarettes, or maybe just um, I think, like I was saying, like about like sniggering at things or whatever, or like you know, if you if you feel like you're having automatic reactions to anything, like in conversation, or it, I think at fast can help inform that to be like okay no i i am actually yeah it's kind of like a reset right so yeah. like if you get a little bit too bingy and you get a little bit too out of your your habits get a bit too bad you can just do a reset and then you go oh, okay i'm now sort of back to a standard baseline that readjusts how you think about food also the first meal after you do a fat how was that calzone do you know what i i thought it was, maybe i was just bringing it up too much because everyone's said that the first meal is going to be great i don't know it's all right uh, I, 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 I don't you put off food for was, and you never ate anything else since it's been uh, three weeks <laughs> it was a really good calzone but I, it wasn't any better or any worse i don't know mate mate i, I would have deleted it in about 20 seconds oh i did <laughs> i did had a couple of cocktails afterwards as well I think I think the spiritual benefit you're talking about 100%. Like, I think that's like the main thing for me of like what you can get out of. Like there, there's some people that swear by it as being like a genuine like really like like you said almost like a religious experience and fair play that's sick but I just don't I don't see any kind of sensible argument as to why anyone should do it like too too regularly because there's just so many there's so much physical detriment that can look that can become as a result of it. Have you seen all the stuff um from Dr. Peter Ortia? When you go into osteophagies Apparently, it's like after three days, he's done like fucking week long fasts and shit, and like 10 day fasts. 
Like um, it starts. Didn't someone like, do a month fast? Yeah, you can do thirty six days without eating. So Jesus, he should have been maybe, dead. Maybe, he was, yeah, he was probably on like a calorie restricted diet, like five hundred calories. Or but like yeah. after after a certain amount of time, like you basically uh, your body starts to just eat away at everything, including like um, I can't remember. The brain. It's, no, no, it's it's like there's this um, I think it's something in the mitochondria. Like when mitochondria reproduces, it produces like slightly dodgy ones that can lead to cancer. So apparently, like if you go on a fast of over three days, it starts to. Uh, it starts to basically delete things that are bad in your body. That's a fucking terrible ex- explanation of the actual science, but it's really, really interesting. I was going to say, so, do you link so, me that? I've not genuinely not heard of that, so I'm not. I can't even comment so, on um, it. It's your boy, Doctor Rhonda Patrick and Pierre Ortier about because he's he was like super into um like ultra marathons and stuff. He was like a big like carb had like it's just like oh I'm going to eat carbs all the time. And he just got super into fasting and the effect it has on longevity, like. I remember talking tonight about this. The people who live the longest, the people who regularly do fasts. So, like, yeah, you know, there are massive health benefits. Yeah, it's huge health benefits. Yeah, but sort if, of, I, I would used, say that's if used better. correctly. You're not going to get in, yeah, not all the time. If you do it all the time, it's stupid. But apparently, a good thing to do for fast is like, you know, once, twice a year. It's not going to help you get jacked and shredded. It might help you get shredded, but whatever. But, like, um, yeah. It's just it, it, it's for the soul. But would you not say that's an issue of causation versus correlation? Because people that are people that are more likely to be doing fasting are therefore more likely to be people that are conscious of their health overall, and not having as much toxins as well. Yeah, I'm not sure because for a lot of people, it, it's a it's literally just a built in tradition. You know, it, it, it's such a like I said, it's such a big part of religion. It's mandatory in a lot of uh, countries. Effectively, you know, Ramadan. It's like. I think just getting back to the correlation causation thing, I think it's so fucking hard to do like actual clinical trials of food, like with yeah. uh, food food being the control category. That yeah, probably it is probably like a you know, healthy user bias kind of thing where yeah, someone who is someone who's been on the internet and is looking at the fasting properties of three day fast by Dr. Peter Ortier <laughs> is probably is probably reasonably aware of some of the science of like eating, right? Yeah. So they probably have a little bit more of a an understanding than just like Joe blogs on the street, and therefore, the dieting or the the fasting is probably not the the main factor. But yeah, oh, I just... it's 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 cool to make you feel woke. It makes basically now now that all the things I like have been taken by other people, like death metal and drinking coffee, I have to do things to just try and pretend that I have a personality, such as not eat food <laughs> for three days. <laughs> I'm a firm. I'm a firm believer. If 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 you if you can do something and you feel good after doing it, and it's not actually causing any detriment to you that you're that oh, you're worried it. about, then then do it. You're gonna hear about some detriments. So okay. <laughs> so I, I had some like our first meal afterwards was like cool. I just I have like a, some sardines and just like fucking puke them up. So there are some detriments because your body just doesn't know what food is. So you have to like break it back in with like you know two spoons of rice every like five minutes or whatever. I imagine there's some people that might go the other way as well, depending if they've made maybe they haven't done as long a fast as you have. If they've done like a day fast, I imagine like that could have like, yeah, they could probably just like eat way too much and like, yeah, big time. Everyone seems to view diet through the, the lens of like weight loss. Well, I think weight loss is literally the least interesting factor about diet. Yeah. same. I think the most interesting is like performance, like mentally and physically, right? Mostly mentally. Because if you eat like a load of, like I know that if I eat like a bowl of rice, I'm going to fucking sleep. I'm not going to be able to do the things that I need to do. I'm not going to be able to work at a decent level. 
but it's like if you can do a fast, like mentally, it's still quite switched on. I I find that physically, yeah, I wouldn't want to do like like girls said, I wouldn't want to do like fucking any sort of like hit training or like crazy sprints or anything because you don't have like the sugar to actually do that. But like weight loss is like a byproduct of everything else. Yeah, I think you can eat healthily and be overweight though. There are people that have very nutrient rich diets and can be overweight. I think the reason why like weight loss is the thing that gets brought up again and again is because obesity is just such a big problem though. Like it's like it's it's such a such a pressing problem that that is brought to everyone's attention now and it's because it's like linked to so many health issues it seems to be the one that's like the priority of like various governments to fix and stuff i agree with you people get hung up on it like way too much like and i think people like you and me who are like obviously we look after ourselves and like we're healthy and we've got you know i I like to think that we're both relatively happy with our bodies we can focus on that stuff that's more about performance whereas i'd say the majority of the population in the west can't because they're all fat fucks Do you think a lot of this is due to like the the loss of the tradition of cooking? So like most people don't cook, most people don't do things like hundred percent themselves. Absolutely, so therefore, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I was watching this fucking Gordon Ramsay thing where you were saying about like uh, cooking is not just like a it's not like a middle class fancy time, right? You're going to eat three meals. Let's say you're on a three meal plan, whatever the fuck, or, or we're all eating one meal, like James Cameron. But like, um, if you're in three meals, you're literally doing that seven days a week for the rest of your life. So you should probably learn how to cook. Here's a, here's a slight tangent and a sneak preview for some of the stuff we might talk about in the next one. It talks about Shit. like cook, cooking not, and eating. Part three is there? No, not yet. Hobson Shaw. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Like the battle of the five armies. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so he talks about we're just obsessed with lists. We're obsessed with rules. and. A lot of that is because people learn to read, literally, and obviously the internet. But people, when people used to cook for themselves, uh, he uses the fucking golden goose word of phrenesis. Uh, people literally practiced phrenesis, so practical wisdom. They didn't have like lists and recipes and shit. They just based what they did off experience and wisdom. It, it's a bit like, um, say you've got someone to come in for a job interview, and you're like, uh, are they a viable candidate? Well, rather than just like fucking looking at the list and filling quotas and God knows what, and just like going by the book, like, well, you've been in this job for 40 years. Can you not tell a good candidate from a bad one just based off your experience? But basically we've lost a lot of that, like home cooking, that kind of stuff. So I think that extends to our attitude with things like fasting as well. Because I think uh, what you were saying about it, like, okay, well, we need to kind of, know when to fast and when not to fast. There's no formula. There's no rule. There's no like algorithmic set kind of way to do it. Everything's completely fluid. It's like, I think we just got too stuck with like deferring to external rules and like, like calorie counting, micromanagement. It's just like, just, you know, how does it feel? It's it's control. It's it's just, it's just a nice way to soothe the old amygdala. And it's, it's like, um, there's a really interesting study about, um, people's bedtimes and how people who have, uh, I was talking to this about my fucking, to my year 13 class today, because they were like, oh, I went to bed at like four o'clock in the morning. Nice. And it's like, yeah, pe- people who don't have control over their like lives seek to take back control in other ways. So like 
going to bed late is like a good way of taking back control over that is such a red pill yeah 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 so you just you do other things to take back control of other elements so it's like i know for example if if shit's going bad at work uh i'm gonna fucking go home and play shogun 2 and fucking sit in my pants and pretend to be fucking rural samurai overlord right so we look for control in areas when we can find it so a lot of fasting I was doing last year was just like PGCE shit. So you have no uh, control of that, those elements apart from things you can do. So you just look for control in other things that you can do. Being good at different games, isn't it? That's like... a nice good old bit of uh, escapism. Well, yeah, also I yeah. think also there's like a zen to cutting onions. I'm, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> I'm going to get... I'm going to get some credentials and call it the Zen of... Right, like, lads, how do I stuff. actually cut an onion, like, not retardedly? Because every time I do, I always think I've read the right way, and I just go, ooh, my eyes! And I realise I've shut all the doors off, so all of it's streaming into one little kitchenette room, and I've got nowhere to escape. Yeah, so the um, the onion root is the bit that gives you the fucking poison. So there's a Gordon Ramsay video that I'll literally link, which is, like, the way to cut onions. I'll put this in the show notes because I need to do this as well. I, uh, again, I, I keep thinking I've done it right. It's generous now. It's literally like the fucking way to do onions, mate. It's so sick. But like, there's a, there's something sick in just like doing meal prep and just like not listening to any bollocks on like fucking podcasts or music or whatever. Just doing the job and just actually being present. Yeah, just being immersed in a task. We'll talk. We'll definitely talk about that next time because like we've got I've got um. Loads of notes on like cooking and eating. See, I have like... my tunes on when I'm cooking. I always do. Yeah, I, I, I find do. I can enjoy both. I, I I like the cooking and I like the music as well. It's just or a pop yeah, or whatever. Like each to their own, though. I guess. Like I think. Yeah. The whole taking back the control thing was really interesting. Though. That's cool. I never thought of it like that with the whole sleep thing. I think. I think that's yeah, why people is. bully. Uh, that's why people like do bu- like bully and stuff like that. If they're getting bullied themselves, they'll seek to take back control. But like, you know, if they're getting picked on yeah. at home by their dad, they'll take back control by going out and picking on somebody at school or whatever. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it's having that humility as well to recognize. Oh shit! No, I'm this. Is, I'm literally a slave to this. I'm just like my brain is just fucking automatically compensating in one area because it can't do the thing in that area. Yeah. Just stepping back for a second. Yeah, we're not, we don't have a fucking choice, mate. So it's like, you know, that whole thing about baboons, right? So like after a baboon gets attacked by a more dominant baboon, it like passes on its anxiety by attacking a smaller baboon and it works. And it like is a really effective uh, way of like passing on the stress and like diffusing stress. Yeah. So it's, it have a um, Robert Sapolsky. He's fucking sick, man. He's a behavioral, um, behavioral biologist. Oh, yeah. He's no, like, I do know him. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you showed me him before. It's like fucking Jordan Peterson of like biology, mate. He's just got loads of online lectures. It's pretty yeah. cool. Neuroendocrinologist. That's a fucking cool title. Yeah. I got him up and I got Peter a tear up, mate. I'm gonna get on that later. I wish, yeah, I wish I had a cool job title. A neuroendocrinologist. Trust. I think I would recommend a fast to most people. But only not not because of any health benefits or whatever. I just I think it just is important for establishing because I, I can't think of any other way to establish utter control because hunger is just such a big thing self-discipline yeah literally and I, I do think we need it because of all the things we've been talking about it's like I think the difference between religious fasting and this uh, potential secular fasting is heteronomy so obviously religions are heteronomous because they think that this element of control is centered around the, th- the thing in the sky or the thing in another dimension giving them choice like taking away their choice or it's, it's external rule not self-rule and I think we 
talk a lot about self-rule in terms of religion, but is it really self-rule because it's all externally sourced to God or whatever your deity is? So that's why I think just we haven't really built a philosophy, especially in the West, of self-rule. And I think like fasting is just the fastest way to that. Um, like a modern spirituality, like like you were saying about appreciation of what we have when we get it. So so I you know let's why don't we just have a fucking secular festival where we just eat at the end of it and appreciate what we have in a positive way. Mate, it's, like, it already exists. No, not November, mate. The, <laughs> most, the most culturally significant fast in the history of humankind. That's genuinely fucking legit. By amount of followers, I'd say that's probably true. That's actually death of God. That's some genuine death of God shit kicking off there, though. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, I genuinely think like uh, the the more the more shit you see, the more you're like actually Nietzsche saying God is dead and killed him is like the fucking most mental phrase ever, and you just see it. Yeah, I, I think it's like the most defining. I think he is the defining philosopher of the modern era simply because of that sentiment alone it's yeah, like it's fucking crazy you know you've got christianity the big waves of thought you've got christianity enlightenment god is dead like the, the three big ones fucking isn't we're, we're still we're in that p- period now of course nietzsche man. said nietzsche said there's only fucking one way out of that you need a some some kind of fucking painter or whatever to come along but very quickly and he basically didn't you know, some, sort of, <laughs> so some some big like cultural figure like a painter or an opera person oh trump yeah well hitler thought, it, hitler thought it was him because he misread yeah, yeah, his books ubermensch didn't he yeah yeah the, the overman the superman the ubermensch whatever you want to call it That's he thought it was him it's just like it's not you mate it's it's like it's literally he's talking about like fucking opera singer or something Some somebody is gonna he thought it was wagner actually but then Wagner was like, oh, so it was so totalitarian that he made Nietzsche sick when he went to his opera. He was just like, this guy is going to like change the world in love and peace. He's going to be like the next Jesus. And then he sees this horrible, like <laughs> disgusting racist play and he's just like throwing up in the auditorium. Wait, he had to leave halfway through. Which one, which one was it? Fucking Valkyries or some shit. Yeah, mate. Fuck, yeah, trust. Probably, we're, we're, yeah. Ashley and I are watching Apocalypse now at the moment. I was thinking about yeah, Valkyries. Yeah, yeah. I just saw Sam message the group chat with how to do onions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the boys are going to have no context with that. I had the same thing as you. I was literally just like, how the fuck do I do onions? Just type them going around to eat onions. And I was like, how oh, make cheers. chicken good? So the last thing he talks about is why we should resist the breakfast buffet. And he's talking... Uh, about the virtue of character very generally. So some people, i.e. not me, they think it's perfectly acceptable to steal food from a buffet. And not just steal food from it, like for, like bread and cheese to make a packed lunch later, but just fucking like hoarding completely on it. I don't know if you've been to like uh, many sort of like these posh B&Bs where you get like the Continental laid on and you get the... I normally do like Airbnb, so I don't I really have much experience of it. Uh, that's another thing I've picked up on this actually he's, he's quite fucking middle class um, I think we talked about that last time where he was like philosopher literally yeah but um, so you get the continental breakfast and then you get your, your hot food after you cook breakfast and he's basically just laying into people that eat the continental and then go for cooked 
because he's like, that's the fucking wrong way around. It doesn't make any sense. And now you're fucking stuffed. And then they'll get like sandwiches for later. Basically, it's just like this, this reveals something about people's character. Now, I actually slightly disagree with him on a couple of these points. Jump and say, the more I found out about what this guy thinks, the least, like the less I like him. Do you know what I mean? I started, <laughs> I started out genuinely like with the, some of the sourcing things. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I just think these last things saying are just kind of weird and a bit unsat. He just throws around some random words. Retweet that, Julian. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I like some of the stuff he says, but I feel like some of it's quite obvious. And like, yeah, like there seems to be a bit of word salad. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think some of the stuff that you said definitely makes sense. And I'd agree with. But... I get a copy of this book so I can do a book report. He's, 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 yeah, do he's it. losing me here, I must admit, with the whole... Uh, it's just instant gratification again. Like you want the thing you've got in front of you rather than the thing that's coming. So I think if, if anyone's going to agree, it might be you. This whole like self-discipline thing. But then it just, it loses, I think it's going to lose everyone because it's like, do you know what? Yeah. It's, it, so he thinks it's kind of dishonest to take every opportunity you can. So he, when you get this big breakfast buffet, the kind of agreed social contract is that you're going to eat it there and then you start like literally taking half the table away to eat later he considers it kind of dishonest it's not that it's so if you think of like uh interpersonal ethics you know, like the classic sort of utilitarian stuff doesn't really make a difference because it's it's not a big thing the, the way we classically think about ethics his problem is that it reveals probably a, a much worse petty character flaw uh, when we think about ethics in terms of virtue instead of utilitarianism. So he basically just thinks that, I mean, it's, it's not quite the same as personality because personality is ethically neutral, but it's the choices we make that reflect certain values and virtues. And he basically just thinks if you're nicking from a breakfast buffet, I, I think he's just had a few too many bad experiences in posh B&Bs. Yeah, this is the similar. This is similar to something that I heard recently, actually, which is um, uh, the people uh, making the conscious choice to put a shopping trolley back in in a uh, shopping uh, like when when you're outside Tesco and you've taken your trolley to your car, you unload all the shit in the car. The the difference between the people that make the conscious decision to go and put that trolley back just because it's like the decent human thing to do, and the people that will just leave it out and like. They they kind of talk about that in the same sort of vein. Like it just it sounds daft. It sounds like something simple, but it tells a, a lot about a person, like how they. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the third category of, per- of people who just like throw it in the canal because it's yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just they just go completely out of their way to cause havoc instead. Yeah, but no, I think um a, a similar sort of well observable thing that most people will see on a, let's say again, sort of like a weekly shop is you always have a couple of people just crowding around the reduced item section of the fridge aisle. And there's always like one bloke who just takes all of the bacon just for himself, just because he knows he can store in his fridge later. And it's because there's no kind of set sort of boundary as to how many he's accepted socially to take. He can just kind of take the piss. I mean, sure, he's not going to take one. He's going to capitalise on that. Again, a bit of you know utilitarianism and take you know two, three, four, whatever. But when when does that stop? You know, yeah, because under utilitarianism, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right in saying taking the piss because it's like it, it it really is down to the intention. It is like, are you doing it to take the piss, or are you doing it because you're kind of planning the day ahead? 
you're exercising the kind of virtue of organization, you have a good sense of money, you're being opportunistic in a good way. I don't necessarily see why that's a bad thing. You know, you don't want to be wasteful. Fuck it, it's carpe diem, isn't it? Like, and it's, it is almost a sense of like, I think it's getting value. Um, the one thing I do agree with him here, and this, I think this is really the crux of his point, the buffets are microcosms for uh, everything wrong with food. And uh, they're sort of like a very good theater to, to think about ethics more generally. And like you were saying about the, um, the supermarket, like these are the places where ethics happens. Buffet in particular, it's like there's loads of choice. Eat everything you can, cheap ingredients for maximum profit. And like the best compliment you can pay someone is like, I'm fucking stuffed. And it's like, well, that, well, that's not really like, is that really a good attitude to eating? I mean, fine. If you, if you want to do that, that's cool. But when it comes to this more subjective argument of like, well, how about we eat for this and that? Like autonomy, willpower, like, you know, kind of makes a, maybe a little bit more sense to do that. I definitely agree that this sort of Aristotelian idea that ethics happens everywhere. It's not just like euthanasia pops up into the room and like, oh, it's like Pokemon, like an ethical dilemma appeared in the wild grass. It's like, you're always doing ethics and you should always be thinking about your character, the supermarket, the trolley, the fucking, you know, your interaction with the cashier. So in that sense, I agree with him. I'm just not sure if taking a sandwich is really the best fucking like indicator of, of poor virtues. I think it's fine. I mean, have you guys ever, ever like, done that loaded up on stuff that's technically free oh fuck yeah yeah would you say that's a bad revelation of character pens at UCAS conventions mate nah free merch open innit? day <laughs> open day yeah I'm trying to yeah I've done that in quite a lot of scenarios actually to be honest it's one of those ones that's like a perceived victimless crime isn't it yeah well I I think it is you know uh, it's not it's stuff. not really though is it if it's something that's put out there like in like with the the kind of on the proviso that people will take what they need as opposed to like taking the pest and I'd say it's no longer a victimless crime somebody has stumped up for that and taken although technically that person's taken a risk by providing free and they, they should know that, that that's part of it and yeah it's like um you know, like those honesty boxes that you'll see like out in the countryside, like people will like say they'll have like eggs for sale and like you know, have an honesty box where like obviously you pay like a quid for eggs. I've always wondered uh, if there's like a percentage of people <laughs> just like take all of them and do a poo in the box. <laughs> no, no, nobody's that hard up for eggs. Yeah, or like, oh, like, just smash the lot of them or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, but once again, it's that sort of you're presented with that choice, aren't you? Let's say the ratio was, was probably quite high until you said and then poo in the box. <laughs> That's a very low percentage. But like, yeah, I, I never would do that. But I, I, you know, I would take ketchup sachets because you know I, I'm all I can always do with more ketchup. The, the costs are covered, and I'm only doing it because the costs are covered. If the costs weren't, I would never take anything. Yeah, but again, it's like the whole like higher resolution picture is kind of key, and it's again sort of like not applying a blanket thing over different case scenarios. I mean, going back to my bacon guy at the supermarket, let's say he knew that he was going to have the storage capacity to freeze all that bacon and he'd still actually use all of it. There's nothing to say that half the families that come by won't just end up not using that bacon and chucking it out. But also if that guy, let's say timing wise, the shop shuts at 10 o'clock at night and he's gone in there at 9.58, no one else is going to buy it, are they? But if he steals all of it at seven o'clock, then you think, well... Yeah, I, I, that's actually something I think he mentions. Uh, he says about like, oh, 
maybe everyone else at the B and B would have eaten that anyway, or maybe, maybe they've got some sort of like kind of thing set up where they feed the homeless after. It's like, yeah, but until you know that, if if everyone knew that, they would. They, I don't think they would take anything. I think there might be some greedy bastards who did, but I, I think for most people, it is literally just a case of this is free and it's for me, and so I will take a bit more for later. I really don't see that it's that it's too much of a problem in terms of character. I mean, like a lot of that, just about going out of date stuff, it, they can't give it to like the homeless or food banks or anything when it's like out of date and meat like that. When it's gone, it's just chucked away. Yeah. So maybe he's maybe he is doing the right thing for everyone concerned. Yeah. Well, it, it, until you know, I, I you know, I, it's relatively open game. Do you think it's like this is water though, isn't it? Because it's like you just you're just viewing it through your own perspective. You don't know that other person's perspective. So that guy going in, that hypothetical bloke going in and buying like seven packs could be taken home because he's got like nine kids and he hasn't got much money to feed them. Or he could be going home and turning it into bacon sandwiches for the homeless. Yeah, well, sure. yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, you see him go in on his own. But yeah, yeah exactly. You don't know he's got a big family waiting. Yeah, you, your assumptions of his behavior just purely based on your like reading a situation and your like personal biases and baggage that you bring with you. That's not Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hell. You know, fucking David Foster cool. Foster cool. <laughs> Would you steal a handbag? Would you steal a deep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. Fucking. I genuinely think it's it's useful to think in terms of virtues rather than like, oh, fucking this situation. What would you do? X, Y. Um, you you were doing something like that, weren't you, Sam? You were like, fucking attacking us and telling us to tell you you're like your vices and shit that one time yeah, you're still doing like, that it's like yearly feedback things because like you're you're not the best viewer of yourself mm. I don't think you're the you're like you're always going to be an unreliable narrator so it's like if you go to people who are close to you and go what are some things that I do that because everyone like, does things that like other people find annoying right but then that person doesn't know that other people think they're annoying so you get like someone who eats like cornflakes scraping the bowl ding in it and like going like doing some weird noises oh, right? they don't know they do that until you go <laughs> grill stop eating those cornflakes like that so i think it's, it's good to get other people's perspectives and shit but, i mean what what sort of qualities were you looking obviously it's not just about cornflakes but like what kind of qualities were you hoping to like expose or like or work on i can't remember what it is it's like a, it's like a business analysis thing right business meeting with business but it's like if you get if you get different views from different angles it's like putting a different lens on things so let's say everyone says oh, i'm sick and tired of you i think one of the ones i got was uh saying stupid shit not thinking about other people's feelings so i got that from like two or three people and i was like oh fuck that is actually something i do fair enough and or like being late for things or if that was the thing that comes up in like four or five things you're like okay so that is actually something i need to work on because I think it's like, and this is going to cut into the Jadako uh, uh, Kano thing we're looking at in judo. It's like, I think you are just like the habits that you do every single day. Uh, I don't think virtue is like a thing. Like you said, virtue is not something turned on or off. It's literally something you're doing all the time, especially when no one else is around through the small habits and the small things you do each day. Yeah, I think Aristotle says something like, we are what we habitually do. And Cheers. it's like, the, all we can do is like try and work on those things. Because if you just think of ethics or, you know, cultivating character in terms of like, oh, the big situation is turned up. It's like, oh, that's just thinking of life like D&D. Like you're in a, you're in an encounter or whatever, role for initiative. It's like, it's not, that's not really, it's all about habits. 
because that's what drives moral decisions. I mean, there, there is some evidence to suggest that people sort of really make moral decisions when the back's against the wall, but that can go either way as well. I don't think it's very fair to judge somebody when that amount of fucking adrenaline is running in them. Like, you know, they're in a car crash. Do they, do they save their, whatever their, you know, their mate? It's like, well, shit. I, I, either way there, it's like, that could be a revelation of what you're really like. If you're generally kind of a grumpy, shitty person, then you save your mate in a car crash. Or you could be generally a very nice person and then not save your mate because you've just fucking split your head open. Like, it, I don't know which one to believe, really. The psychology is still a bit unclear on it. There's a really good book by um, a fucking geezer called Dr. Dick Thompson, who was, Kieran, he was that bloke who jumped out of the aeroplane um, and cut his hands up on, like, the rope. Wait, like, sorry, that guy's a doctor? Yeah, he's a PhD in, like, um, neurochemistry. He's what the fucking... fuck? You didn't tell me that. Oh, yeah, that guy's skits, mate. Yeah, he, he's absolute nutcase. Like, yeah, yeah. I only we... heard a little bit of what he did, but... Yeah, we just when you just look at yourself in grand scheme of things, we're just like shit human beings. And that dude just like special forces through Vietnam, does all that crazy stuff, gets out, uh, goes through like training programs, becomes like a fucking doctor, and then writes books and shit, and then owns companies. But like he wrote a book called The Stress Effects, and it talks about like uh, how stress just affects our sort of decisions poorly. And he's got a great phrase, which is, "Yeah, we don't rise to occasion; we sink to the level of our habits." Nice. Right, don't forget to give this video a big fucking... I swear down, Julian Bugini is the last fucking syllables that Smeagol screamed. Uh, Wait, what? When he dies in Mount Doom? <laughs> yeah, when he gets tortured. I think of the bit yeah. where, he, where he goes over the cliff after the Shelob. Oh, I, yeah, I, he doesn't die there, does he? No, yeah. Shit, of course. Have you, have you got time? to? Of course, yeah, of course you have. You've always got time to do shit, haven't you? Always got time, mate. I'm, I'm, I woke up 12 o'clock yesterday afternoon for today. I just think like, the thing about diet is like who gives a fuck like i actually i actually really don't like when people are like oh i lost three pounds I'm like oh, who fucking cares <laughs> I, I don't fucking care what are you doing are you are you what are you doing in your life yeah it depends on your goal isn't it like if they're if, if they're just losing weight for like the sake of it and whatever but like if they're losing weight because like they're fucking morbidly depressed about how obese, obese they are then it's a good thing because they're going to be yeah, a good person depression comes from your self story though doesn't it so it's like for living a shit life you get that story like from your inner self can i get a good take I was gonna say i'm so i'm sorry paolo Nettini. i'm just grumpy to be honest so. <laughs> Don't take it personally, mate. Fucking Bruno Tonioli, what his name Yeah, is. don't take it personally, me yeah. old mucker. Julie Bikini, share our work. <laughs>